everybody. Welcome to a new episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. That's your co-host, Brad, right there. We got a fun one today, man. We got uh, we got two campy action-horror-comedy hybrids here, man. Yeah, featuring um, animals as the main uh, antagonist of sorts. Absolutely, absolutely. One is based on a um, Stranger Than Fiction true story. The other one is just... Uh, just came together in the writer's room like, let's just put these snakes on a on plane. A plane. <laughs> let's add Sam Jackson in there. And let's just see what happens. Right. I mean, uh, when you have terrifying situations, <laughs> I think anything on a plane already meets like the requirements for a horror movie is, hey, what if this happened on a plane? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you, you can't fail. Uh, so we got snakes on a plane versus cocaine bear and uh i'm ready to have some fun man see i I feel like this needs to be chronological because even though cocaine bear is based on a true story you you need a snakes on a plane in order to sell a cocaine bear in in a pitch you know what i'm saying it basically comes down to when somebody was pitching this they basically went look you know those movies like sharknado and snakes on a plane it's kind of like that but with a bear on cocaine Right. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll write the check. Yeah, yeah. What's, 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 the, what's the production budget? Come on. Ah, uh, man. All right. So I'm going to start us off here. We're going to start off with 2006's uh, Snakes on a Plane, directed by David R. Ellis. So basically, the plot is pretty much bare bones. Uh, Snakes on a Plane follows uh, Samuel Jackson, who is a uh, FBI agent, Neville Flynn. Uh, set to uh, protect Sean Jones, a surfer who uh, witnesses a brutal murder committed by um, this big criminal uh, by the name of Eddie Kim. So in order to um, protect this man, he has to uh, put him on a plane in uh, in first class with them being the only passengers in first class next to his um, his partner, uh, his his FBI agent partner and uh, get him uh, safely to uh, testify against Eddie Kim. Now, most of the police think they're going on another plane. So this plane is supposed to be a decoy that they're on. Um, little do they know Eddie Kim is already ahead of this. And he puts uh, basically poisonous, dangerous snakes on the plane uh, to uh, to kill them. In addition to the other passengers that are on the plane, some of them are su- who are supposed to be in first class, but get booted all to coach. Uh, so basically, the bare bones plot of the script is everyone just trying to survive and land the plane and, and uh, kill these snakes or, you know, avoid these big snakes on the plane. Yeah. And listen, it, I got to say, out of like all the premises for like, a, oh, what could happen in this movie taking place in an airplane? Uh, a bunch of poisonous snakes being trapped on an airplane is probably up there as one of like the biggest fears people have now since this movie mm-hmm. came out. And one of those things nobody would think of prior to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, dude, I this film should not work. It should not be a film that works. But damn, does it work. I mean, like, I, I have no... I, I don't have that many complaints against a movie like this. When I first saw it, I was young. And um, if you know David R. Ellis, you know that he's a guy that's a... Uh, he's... um. He's known to direct a lot of like like classic like um like these these I don't want to say all of them are campy but he made he makes like fresh intense like 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 one and done fast uh films like Cellular which is a great film starring an early Chris Evans Final Destination 2 The Final Destination Shark Knight his movies are like wham and bam and done like you know they're like uh they get to the point they get to the plot you enjoy yourself and then you go home Mm-hmm. Um, the straight up B movie is kind of what I'm trying to say here. And I think Snakes on a Plane is a terrific B movie, dude. I remember when I saw this film and I think this started the Samuel Jackson persona of, uh, you know, mother, mm, mother, mm, because even though he's a man that knows how to say the profane dialogue so well, this movie solidified that, you know, with that, that iconic line towards the end, you know, I'm tired of these mother snakes on this mother plane. Like I remember seeing this film and that being in like the TV spot for the movie, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's that's gonna be iconic. And oh, today, yeah. that's a that's a gif. I mean, a gif. You know, like um, 
yeah, I feel like this this is this is the perfect kind of movie for its own time. Two thousand six. You gotta. Uh, I love the kind of faces Samuel Jackson makes, like like the kind of like like badass uh, Samuel Jackson we know today as Nick Fury in this kind of movie, because like he's the straight man against all this chaos, but he plays it so well. By far, he is one of the best parts of this movie because Mm -hmm. him as an FBI agent, he has that very like calm demeanor in the face of danger. Like as these snakes are coming up, he's just kind of pulling out a taser and he's just like, no, get back. You know, not dealing with this fire extinguisher, just blasting them and everything. Uh, He makes what is already an absurd premise absurdly more entertaining to watch as he just kind of. At one point, he uses a harpoon gun to take out a snake. And that sounds like the cheesiest thing ever. <laughs> but he makes it badass <laughs> to watch it happen. Because there's a lot of great tension in this movie when it comes to watching the snake slither toward people. And as they appear out of different like crevices and underneath the seats and everything like that. It, it does that very well in making this a very creepy kind of, ooh, I don't like how that looks kind of movie. And when you add that with Samuel Jackson just looking like a pure badass on this plane fighting snakes, it's one of those like movie script ideas that somebody would look at and go, yeah, no, no, we're not going to green light this. What, what were you on <laughs> when you wrote this down? Listen, man, it's, it's one of those once in a lifetime kind of ideas. It either works or, or it doesn't. And this film works. Um, when it's taken a minute to get into its zone, I was just noticing the different actors that are in this movie. I was like, mm-hmm. dude, that's Bobby Cannavale. Like, that's Bobby Cannavale. Like, you know, that's David Kochner. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm noticing all these actors. Taylor Kitsch shows up at one point. Um, and I, I go, wow, you know, this really was 2006. Yeah, this was but, when those people did not cost millions to book into a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Keenan Thompson, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I um, forgot he was even in this. And then he actually has a pretty big role in the movie as well. <laughs> he does, he does. You know, I like the the different characters they, they establish us with on the plane. Um, some of them... You even feel sad when they die, like the the married couple going to Hawaii with the husband that's scared to fly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're such a cute couple. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I love how they take that moment with them where she's like, "Baby, if you're scared to fly, you know why did you why did you come on here with me? Like, why are we taking a plane?" He says, "Well, you wanted to," and mm-hmm. so they start kiss they kiss each other a little bit, and it gets even sadder in the end when they die. Uh, but you know, I like the uh, the lady with the with the with the Chihuahua, the oh, uh, yeah. the germ the germaphobe rapper. Um, yeah, the different the different um characters they have on the plane. I feel like Sean, who uh, the guy who witnessed the murder that's uh, being protected by Sam, he's a likable character as well. He's relatable, you know. He's just a, he's just a regular guy that got caught up in the wrong situation, and you mm-hmm. know, Sam isn't too much of a hard ass, you know, um, unless unless when he needs to be, you know. He he understands that this guy's human, right? Like he's he's just trying to do his job as an FBI agent and take this uh you know villainous Eddie Kim guy down, but all that aside, when it gets to the, to the action of the actual snakes, um, the scene where I don't even know why this guy really died. The scene where the one guy's in the bathroom and the snake you know you know basically bites his wing. Oh yeah, like, how did he die? Because he 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 he, he all I keep hearing is him saying. Get off my cock. And I'm like, okay. Just the venom. Like, you know, because okay. keep in mind, these were all poisonous snakes. <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess that makes sense. But I was just like, was like how, did, how did he die? Because it seemed like he was just like, like, like hitting his head against the wall purposely to get the snake off. And then he just dies. Mm-hmm. But um, when the snakes start coming down and start biting people, like I liked a little bit of horror that's in this movie. Like I, I like a little bit of gore that happens during the snake biting scenes. I think it's pretty well done. Yeah. It's not over the top as you would expect mm-hmm. in a movie like this. Uh, it's done exactly as it needs to, to get the point across without being overly gory. And right. it, it gets enough that you kind of get that little bit of the, Ooh, I didn't like that without it being like all PG 13 to death. 
because mm-hmm. that's one thing with these kind of like horror movies on this kind of premise is when it becomes like a PG-13 horror movie, everything's done off screen. You never see anything happen with this. It played that line very finely where you got to see it, but it wasn't so overly gory that you, you know, had to look away every time a snake's coming on screen because you're like, oh, God, I don't want to see this. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I love um I want to say I love the the tension of some scenes. Like I love when uh, Lynn Shay's character, she realizes that the baby and the mom are still in the back of the plane. You know, they they tried to put a wall up with everyone's luggage mm. and stuff. And she hears the baby crying. I love that moment when she saves the baby and, you know, the snake bites her on the way out. Um, so I, I thought that was a pretty nice, tense moment. And uh, what else was I about to say? Uh, man, that uh, that pilot... David Koch's character was a soldier, wasn't he? That man probably been bit like 10 times the whole movie. Yeah, I love how like there's even a point where uh, he's piloting the plane and the who was it? It was the air stewardess was like, are you sure that you can do this with one hand? Honey, if you knew the things I could do with one hand, we would not be having this conversation. Right, right, right. Again, that's this is the terrific humor of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say something about the, uh, the 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 climax, but before I get there, you you got any notes before we move on to that? Uh, I absolutely love that this movie had the like play where the one guy threw the dog at the snakes to try and like dissuade them, and immediately <laughs> he gets killed right away. Like the movie basically was like, "Look, we we had to have the dog. It was on the plane with the snakes. We had to kill it. We're sorry, right. but the guy that killed it got his comeuppance right away. So you know, please forgive us." And right. I, I absolutely we need love a reason that. to. Ki- we need a reason just to kill this guy. So. Right. In one of the most horrifying ways in the entire movie. I love how even uh, during like the climax of the movie, you see the snake that's still like half digesting him to fly out of the plane as the giant yeah. snake. I love that as well as that kind of little yeah. nod to. Oh, yeah. And then there's this giant boa constrictor that's just on this plane. Yeah, that was probably like the one thing that had me go real suspension of disbelief here like above anything else i was like yeah i just gotta have that big ass snake on the plane bro Mm -hmm. like but i thought that was pretty cool the scene where he has to shoot out the windows and everyone has to hang on like i thought that that's a pretty cool like like, tense moment yeah because that's one of those other things that people like fear on an airplane of what happens if everything gets like decompressed and like a window comes out like i remember that was a huge thing a couple of years back when uh that happened and somebody died as a result of it so <clears throat> having that like in the movie is another thing and the way that they're just all buckled in there's also the little bit of tension of oh is anybody gonna fall out because you have some of the people kind of just hanging on because their like straps came loose after the mm-hmm. window got blown out and everything and yeah it this movie does a good job with tension mm-hmm. yeah definitely you know a movie like this, um, it's it's just straight to the point. You know, it, it gives you its action. It gives you its horror. It gives you its comedy. And uh, you take it for what it is. And it's, it's a nice B movie. Like, I, mm-hmm. I really think this is a nice, solid B movie. This is what I, I wish another movie uh, that will not be named should have been. Uh, kind of the reason we're doing this episode, because I thought that other movie was going to be like this. But we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that. But um, I want to say one thing about the climax. I love the rapport between Keenan Thompson and Samuel Jackson, where he's like, uh, he's like, you you flown a plane? Yeah, I got two thousand hours. <laughs> you know, yeah. and he's on the he's on the phone with the guy, right? And the guy's calling him. He's like, uh, sir, what kind of planes have you flown? Oh, you know, the F 15s the F sixteens, F seventeens. You know, you know, those, it's a it's it's a uh, it's a marvel where you can like like fly on those video games. It did. Sam, the, the look Sam Jackson just gives him, like that's what I'm saying. He's the perfect straight man in this movie because the responses he has to everything Keenan says, like he's like, "You learn this playing a video game." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, but you know, I, I got two thousand hours." You right. know, like 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 those, those nerve ga- those nerves know, know what they're talking about. <laughs> I, I love how he even like has the realization. Oh God, this is our only hope too. There, there's nobody else that we can swap him in for. <laughs> to have this plane get landed and even when like control tower is going can you just get 
anybody else that has actual experience in that seat. And Sam Jackson's character is like, look, you are talking to the only person with any experience with flying a plane right now. So get him the information he needs so he can get this thing on the ground. And I love how mm. even when they're like on the ground and Sam's like, brakes, brakes, this isn't a part of the game, man. I wasn't ready for this. Is crashing a part of the game? I don't know. I usually turn it off before that. <laughs> that was funny. That is funny. Yeah, I, lo- I loved him in this movie, man. I, I thought he was terrific. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, ain't ain't really much else to say. I just think this is a great B movie. And uh, straight down the middle, I got this as a three out of five. Uh, yeah, I'd say three out of five. It's it, like you said, it's a B movie, but it holds everything it's trying to hold exactly as it should, because it's an insane premise. It's got insane kind of dialogue. The plot and the story is completely out there, but it holds itself together because there's even the kind of B plot to this movie, which is the FBI on the ground that are trying to figure out who put the snakes on the plane and how it all worked and finding out the anti-venom for everything. And I love the conversations that like Sam Jackson has with them on the ground where they're like, well, can you describe the snakes to me? I don't know. There was like a Cobra one and there was like one of those, I don't know, the black and red ones. He's like, can you be more specific? No, man, I I don't know snakes. (laughs) He's like, I don't know. This is not my this is not my field. You know what I'm saying? I love that. And I love when they catch the one guy that has the anti venom. I thought that was a nice action sequence too yeah like like this movie doesn't have any frills to it it's straight to the point it's neither too silly to be dismissed nor too serious to be you know exhaustive like it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty down the middle good movie right yeah i i fully agree all right man let's move on so that brings us to the second movie that we're talking about today cocaine bear which follows the story of a man named thornton who after jumping out of a plane with a duffel bag full of cocaine loses it in the woods before it is found by a black american bear that decides to ingest some of it and goes on a full-on rampage through the forest as we're met with different people that are kind of ending up there such as this uh kid these two kids named dd and henry that uh are skipping school to go into the forest and have a field day there we have the people that work for the actual cartel that are kind of trying to get the cocaine back you have a police officer that has come in from another state that is trying to figure out everything that's going on because he's been after these cocaine dealers for a long time and they all kind of converge in this forest where this bear is just going completely ham on this cocaine. And as a result, the people (laughs) around as well, (laughs) that is the general synopsis of this movie. And that that's all the movie needed to be. That's exactly what walking into this movie, I expected it to be. And what we got was, it wasn't that it wasn't that, (laughs) It was it wasn't that chief. Um, you know what? When we were going into this, I, I explicitly didn't ask you how you felt about this movie. I mean, I, I mean, I I purposefully didn't ask you what you felt about this movie because I wanted to know how if you were going to look at it different from me. Now, when mm-hmm. I look now, when I saw this movie, and you got the opening scene where Andrew, you know, <laughs> Andrew Thornton is dancing in the airplane, and you know he's jamming out coked up and then on his way out he, he hits his head and mm-hmm. then you see inspired by true events or something like that yeah i i figured like oh this is gonna be hilarious oh yeah i um, this movie starts on such a high that i was right. like literally in literally. my seat just going oh my <laughs> god this is gonna be great and right. i'd already seen some of the reviews and stuff for that and i was like hey, okay it's people that aren't used to like a campy horror movie i'm expecting a really campy horror movie that's all i want as long as this fulfills that need this is gonna be an, a win in my books and you didn't read mine did you no i did not read yours prior to <laughs> okay good good because i didn't want to steer you away either yeah um but yeah man i just this is one of those films that um I'm just going to come right out and say it. This film is so uneven 
like like the horror element of this film is on par. Mm-hmm. Like there there's some tense, you know, terrifying sequences in this movie. Like like very well done, very well shot on Elizabeth Banks's part, but the comedy does not match the horror at all. Like this movie is like I, I want to say largely unfunny. Yeah, it has a couple scenes that are chuckles and stuff one of them being that right. opening scene where you're watching him just rock out and then he bam hits his head and just falls right. out of the that place was hilarious like, this is great <laughs> uh the first time that it eats the cocaine and it just you watch it go from like this very chill bear to just its eyes bloodshot all of a sudden and it just starts rampaging hilarious mm-hmm. and then from there the movie just kind of forgets that it was supposed to be funny and yeah. it, it takes itself overly serious and in ways that like the characters don't even act in like a, a funny way or a serious way. They just kind of act like they have. OK, so, we got to get to this scene. So we had to have the people do this and then we had to have the people do this. I'm not going to say some of these actors were phoning it in. I just think the the words and dialogue they were given weren't that good. Like, mm. like I, I don't even think it takes itself like when it takes itself serious as a horror film. I don't think it fails because the horror, tense thriller side of it is great. Mm-hmm. It's just the comedy where it's like the dialogue is just not funny. Like you got um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alden uh, Einrich. You know the the two friends. So the one guy that works for Ray Liotta and the other guy that's Ray Liotta's son. Like they have a bond or an estranged friendship, but they had no chemistry. Like there was no chemistry between those two guys. The dialogue was weak. Um, the kids, listen, I this this is a tip to all comedy writers out there. Having kids cuss is not just funny alone, not not funny alone. There needs right. to be substance behind the kids cussing. Like, like having a kid say, yo, oh, S balls. That's just not okay. Why is he saying that? Mm-hmm. What is he referring to? Like, 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 there needs to be a, a follow up joke of substance behind that. Like, and none of it's they, even like shocking either because it right from the get go, right. you have the kids well, like talking about cocaine and being like, oh, I've done cocaine before and it's not, you know, this isn't like the cocaine I've done before. And it's like, okay, but where's the joke? Where's, where's the ha ha? This isn't ha ha. Right. I mean, you know, some of it is a little shocking, like the whole when they end up like tasting it. That was a little shocking. But, you know, I I was going to say the kid who played uh, Henry Christian Convery, like that kid with the right dialogue could be funny. Mm -hmm. Like you could tell he was putting his all into the role. He just didn't have the right dialogue. Mm -hmm. Like there's one scene in the film that was funny from him. That was actually a good moment where he was like a. Things like this can change a man. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He says, like, he's, you know, like, this is like, the kind of memory that sticks with you for a lifetime. <laughs> right. That was funny. That was a funny moment. If I just wish the rest of his dialogue was like that. You know what I'm saying? Like um, Brooklyn Prince, who played the daughter, Dee Dee. She wasn't given enough funny dialogue. Like she wasn't given like- anything in the movie at all. She basically shows up and then she runs off until like the very end of the movie. Right. I feel like it's it's not the actors who fail the movie. It's the movie that fails the actors. Like mm-hmm. um, now, Marco Martindale, I feel like she had a, a few chuckle scenes. You know what I'm saying? She was Ranger Liz. Yeah. She like Marco just has that that charisma on screen. Her and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They both got charisma. So, of course, they're going to be like funny in their scenes. But it's like so much of it was like. Yeah, I can't rock with this with this this movie's jokes. Like, you know, the screening I went to, which was like a a, a sneak screening, you know, you could tell people when they were just having a good time, right? And usually that's like infectious. Um, not this time around. I, I was kind of like the I was kind of like the realist in the room, like, y'all ain't gonna be laughing at this when this comes to streaming and y'all oh, watch yeah. it again. Y'all, y'all not gonna find this this funny. <laughs> like, but you know. Yeah, man, it's like so it's so many elements of this movie could have been great. Like you got the the hooligans, right? The um the Neant like what did they call you're, them? You're talking about the gang that was just in the forest stabbing people, right? Right. 
that could have been funny. You know, like like that could have been a great, a really funny element. But some part of it was just it just didn't connect right. Um, yeah, like the opening for them, like showing up in the bathroom and you had the one like cartel member kind of there. And they're like, come on, man, just uh, let's have some fun. And he just beats them senseless easily. And you have right. the other cartel member. Are are they alive? I don't know. I'm pretty sure the one that tried to stab me is dead, though. <laughs> no. Yeah. And then there's strange moments where characters have like sudden cutaways. Like I don't know if those are visions or dreams or fantasies. Like I like that those moments were so random and like like it's just so jarring to the movie. Yeah. It also doesn't help that it cuts away from the action to be like, oh, here's some people talking, and it's like, no, 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 go back to the bear. I want to see what was happening with the bear. And then it'll cut back and like everything will just be destroyed again. Like the ambulance scene and everything like that, where bear jumps in the ambulance and it cuts to outside the ambulance and we just hear the rustling. And it's like, no, 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 show show me inside the ambulance. And then it hits the tree and then it cuts. And it's like, no, go back to that. I I, I like that scene. What what was going on with that scene? I don't care about what? I thought that was nice. I thought that was nicely tense. Um, like that was a gory sequence in its own. Like I, I had no problem with that sequence. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean, though. But it's like, listen, the screenwriter, right? He had an interview with Variety. I I, uh, I note this in my 8-Bit Waffles review where he says, listen, what happens in this film is a product of circumstance and everybody else's poor decisions. I like that. And if this movie was told straight as a horror film, I feel like it would be a way better movie. I mean, the concept is funny on its own, but if it took this funny concept that that really happened and played it straight, I don't think that would have been a bad movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could have seen it because the horror elements of it, like when the, you know, ER people arrive at the cabin and everything and, you know, the bear's still there. It's a tense moment when he's like opening the door and then you see the bear and everything like that. But then I don't know that whole scene it plays off well but Mm -hmm. they don't really have any dialogue or anything going on for that except for oh hey the bear's still there I think this feels like they could have done so much more with that I think this movie has an identity crisis it doesn't know whether it wants to go straight horror straight comedy or both and it just needs to focus you know what I love about snakes on a plane it knows what it is Mm mm-hmm it knows it's campy. It knows it has its tense, horrific moments. It knows it has its funny moments. It knows it has its fun moments. Cocaine Bear had an identity crisis the whole movie. Right. Like one of the scenes where you have the, you know, the police officer has the duffel bag and everything like that. And he's on top of the gazebo and the cartel members get there and everything. And they have this mm-hmm. weird shootout moment where it's like, well, you guys don't was move. So pointless. You, yeah. Uh, I will say the one line of how did he shoot those fingers that they're not even next to each other. Uh, that got a chuckle out of me for that line, <laughs> uh, just because his delivery and everything like how in the what those fingers aren't even next to each other. How did he do that? Uh, then it, hmm. you have everything going on with the mother trying to find the kids and everything like that. And it's like every time I cut to that, I was just thinking this feels like filler for the movie. They they added this to bring the time of the movie up because nothing happens in those scenes at all. Aside yeah. from like getting them to the cave to show, you know, the two cubs and everything like that, that didn't do anything. Same with bringing the hiker back to be like, oh, hey, you're going the right way to get to the bear. And that leads nowhere as well. Like, why did you even bring him back from the beginning of the movie? Like the first person that the bear attacks. Right, right. He had no reason to come back. And this movie, hmm, yeah, it it bothers me that it. this is such a great premise with such an absurd kind of like, this should be the next kind of Sharknado. It should be the next snake on a plane. It should have been. It should have like, been. That's what, that's what I was expecting to walk into. You tell me something's called Cocaine Bear. And it's literally about a bear on cocaine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to that thinking, dude, this is going to be snakes on a plane. Right. Like, come on, man. I, it, I, like, like, don't. It was a no brainer. It, it was. You like, how could you fail this? Like, um, 
but it, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I wanted to say, um, Carrie Russell, like again, in her lead role as as a Sari or Sari, um, she's doing what's being asked of her, but it's just like you're not giving her character much to be remembered by. She's just mm-hmm. a mother that's looking for her kid. This isn't supposed to be taken. This is supposed to be cocaine bear. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? If like now, I would love to see Carrie Russell in a taken, but that's not what this is. Like, like, you know, you're giving me all these characters with all these subplots that I don't care about. Um, Ray Liotta, you know, rest in peace. He's probably the only thing I like about the third act is like how much of a how much of an asshole he is. Oh, like, yeah. like I, I love him in the third act. He plays a great villain. But again, by that point, you just don't care anymore. You're just like, when is this going to end? Yeah, he basically shows up to be the person that you hate more than the bear at that point. Right. Like, that's what his role is supposed to be. But at, at this point in the movie, you don't even hate the bear. You don't feel anything toward the bear because the bears maybe had, I don't know, 10 minutes of screen time in the hour and 10 minutes that had gone by in this movie by that point. The bear was minding his business before the cocaine got in his reach. Right. And it, even then, the bear barely is in this movie i feel like you know it it cuts into the bear doing something and then it cuts away faster to get into some other stuff with the people saying unfunny dialogue and it's like no no no. go back go back to the bear go i want to see the bear doing stuff because that's at least entertaining in this movie yeah like i'll admit man if Elizabeth Banks directs horror films in her future, I can see her being successful because she she has the tension down right. Mm-hmm. It's just I just the comedy just didn't match the, t- the tension. Um, if it's like you're gonna go one way, you're gonna go another. If you're gonna go both ways, you got to go both ways equally. But uh, yeah, man, this is a I ain't gonna make no bones about it. This is a two out of five to me. I, yeah, I'd put this at a two point five, just straight oh, down the middle. Generous. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being generous with that extra point five. Yeah, you're generous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a basic movie. There is one thing with it, though, that uh, Elizabeth Banks has said in interviews where they actually cut some scenes and cut scenes down to make the gore not too kind of, uh, I guess, to make it so people would enjoy the movie instead of feeling sick from the movie was her Mm. way of putting it. And I'm curious if we'll ever get a cut that has all those scenes reestablished. Cause I wonder if that adds more scenes of the bear that were just completely scrapped because she was like, Oh, this is too much. This is too gory. But again, that doesn't really add any value to it because you still got the unfunny scenes in there. True. But at the same time, if she filled in that blank space with that, those scenes that could have been cut prior to, to meet like the time length for the movie, would that make a difference? Not to me. No, I, I, I I just don't see it unless the dialogue changes and things become more funny then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could see it changing things or you just cut out all the unnecessary characters, which would be everybody. And you just keep the bear, then yeah, I guess that's a different movie. I don't know. Keep um, the cartel members. Keep the you know kid from the gang in there. Keep the police officer in there. Maybe the you know. Yeah, I guess that that would be it. <laughs> I don't even see. I don't even see keeping the cartel members. They didn't add anything. No, but them searching for the cocaine adds something to the movie. They themselves should have been rewritten a little bit differently, but their involvement is kind of needed. Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who plays the cop, Margot Bardendale, who plays the ranger, and Ray Liotta, who plays the bad guy, and the bear. That's all you needed. You needed three seasoned vets, uh, a ranger, a cop, and a cartel boss, and a bear. That's all you needed. Oh, and keep the hikers in there so you have somebody to die. Yeah, that's that's uh whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I said these 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 are the elements you need. You know what I'm saying? That that's all that's what you needed. But uh it is what it is, man. I think it just goes without saying. Snakes on a plane wins this. Uh, yeah, for trying to be or even just knowing what it's supposed to be, snakes on a plane right. knocks it out of the park. Absolutely. Um 
All right, so we're going to go into after-show topics. Uh, we got some sad news, man. We got some sad news. Uh, my man, and we're going to wait to talk about this until we do our episode. I think that's best. But uh, Lance Reddick of uh, John Wick, Fringe, and The Wire fame has uh, passed away. Oh, man, what an actor, bro. Yeah, absolutely I- a fantastic actor. And I-, I love seeing the people in the clips uh, that people share online from him and everything like that. Cause mm-hmm. from the wire from John wick, when I think of him, those are the two that I think of the most. And mm-hmm. then there's the Eric Andre clip that's passing around a lot right now of, you know, him doing the whole, I want to be LeVar Burton. I want to be LeVar Burton. Uh, have you ever seen that one? Was that on the Eric Andre show? Yeah. No, I never saw that, man. Oh, I'll have to send that to you later because it is absolutely perfect for his like kind of style of comedy because later on they get LeVar Burton on the show going, I want to be Lance Riddick. I want to be <laughs> Lance Riddick. And apparently the two actually just recently finally uh, met each other just couple weeks back and everything and everybody was making a huge fuss about that online because i remember that when it was like a picture of those two together yeah man he was an actor that carried himself with grace um when he was on the screen he commanded the screen you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like he was just he was just a terrific character actor oh yeah the people who the people who worked with him got nothing but nice things to say about him like like everyone who worked with him on the wire john wick keanu i think said something um, don't quote me. I think he said something, but um, I, I know the yeah. director of John Wick uh, made a statement mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, they said the new film is going to be dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I was just, just that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Uh, terrific actor, man. Ter- uh, terrible loss. Uh, what have you seen lately? Uh, God, this week, what have I not seen? Every day this week, I feel like I was at the movie theaters because Monday I saw Cocaine Bear. Uh, Tuesday, I went to see John Wick 4. Uh, Wednesday, Mm -hmm. I went and saw Shazam 2. And then on Thursday, Mm -hmm. I went and saw Dungeons and Dragons. So I have literally (laughs) almost been at the movie theater every day the last week since uh, we last recorded. Okay. All right. Uh, Two of those we're going to talk about. One we just talked about. How was Shazam, man? Uh, very disappointing. I really, yeah. It. I gotta say, this movie feels like it was on a weird cutting room floor kind of situation. I hate when that happens. Where, like, I I can't remember one of the uh, you know people that plays uh, one of the villains in the movie even said they weren't sure what this movie was gonna be when it came out because they had done so many weird reshoots and scene changes during the production of this movie. And I'm curious how much of that is from before everything with James Gunn kind of came out to try and make this movie fill in for where it is. Uh, How much of it was them kind of just changing the movie up to try and fit a little bit better with, you know, the statistics they were getting from different movies. Mm. It's, it's a mess, sadly, like somewhere in here, is a good movie, but it's bogged down by the fact that constantly they're like, no, we this movie is about family, but there's nothing about family in the entire movie. You have great, good villains that are well-written and everything, but they just kind of always get sidelined in the movie as the threat. You have terrible effects. In this one, I don't know if they rush to get this movie out there because they know that everything's going to be reset soon with the flash and they didn't have time to do the effects proper. But you can like almost visualize the lines that are like pulling the actors into walls and stuff like that. And even some of the CG is just very bad. Like, I know you never saw the first Shazam movie, but one of the Uh, things with the I plan to yeah with the monsters is they kind of look very like claymation-y and fake. Uh, mm. They didn't fix that in this one. It, it looks just as bad. And it it would be a style choice if it wasn't for the fact that it clashes with everything else so much that it's just... It, it, it 
pulls your eye to it and goes, hey, there's no way this is a monster that's in this world. You know, this was clearly <laughs> added in. Wow. So from what I'm hearing here, we got a David A. Year Suicide Squad situation. See, I don't even know if it's that. I'm just... I, I want to believe that it was because of like changes with DC and everything that kind of pulled this film in different directions. Cause there's even the after credits scene, knowing everything that's happening with James Gunn, it's like, okay, was this film before that to keep in mind or did they just film this and throw it in? And this doesn't matter at all for, you know, in three months when the flash comes out, uh, man, this makes me worried. Because I know that the first one has such great reception. You know, everyone mm-hmm. loved Zachary Levi in the role. Everyone thought Shazam was funny. And I I, I still plan to watch it. Uh, man, hearing you say this, this might make me think Aquaman 2 might suck. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of starting to worry about that a little bit. And it's... Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know what to... Because there's a couple scenes in it that are like, oh, that's a good scene. The movie as a whole just feels so disjointed. Mm. Wow, that sucks. That sucks. Uh, that's very disappointing to hear you say that. Oh, yeah. Um, Trust me, I was disappointed walking out of the theater because it's like I loved the first Shazam movie. I thought it was a great kind of change of pace for DC movies. And, mm-hmm. you know, I walked out of that theater with a smile watching Shazam. This one, I walked out going, Why? Why would you do this to my boy? Mm. And that sucks. That sucks. Um, yeah, that sucks, man. I mean, I, speaking of DC, uh, I wonder what Zack Snyder is going to do, because everyone's talking about this tweet where you got dark side and then you got a few dates that pop up. Some people are saying Snyder Con. I don't know what that is. Some people are saying Snyder Con was something that he did back in uh, like 2018 ish uh, prior to like the whole Snyder cut kind of thing. It was something to drum up attention to that where he went through and mm. watched like Man of Steel and Batman V Superman with uh, his fans and everything to kind of give like a live commentary oh. with it. That's what Snyder kind of was a couple back in oh, like, nice. then uh, if this is the same, it would kind of make sense because now he has three movies Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and then the Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. So, which would match the three dates that it has set up. And it would make sense why there's three dates and not just one date for an announcement kind of thing. Hmm. I guess that would make sense. Well, that that lowers my excitement. (laughs) Now I'm disappointed. (laughs) I had thought him and James Gunn had talked behind the scenes like, okay, so we're going to drop the bomb on them out of nowhere <laughs> for three whole days realize, right snyder's coming back ah uh, man that's disappointing well no well hey it's always good to connect with the fans so i ain't mad at zach mm-hmm. um what i was gonna say was uh oh did you hear james did you see james gunn's announcement yes uh him fully deciding to take the director's chair for the upcoming superman yeah, and in, in um in the picture, I saw the picture from I haven't read all of this. I think I started it, but I didn't finish it. Uh Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman yep. and uh graphic novel. And I was like, oh, he's gonna be adapting that, huh? Well, he might be, I don't know. But uh I'm excited, man. Dave dang man, James Gunn doing a Superman movie. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's his style. I think would be absolutely brilliant for a Superman movie because it would give us a Superman movie we haven't seen before where he has a very good, like lighthearted kind of adventurous uh, directing style when given Mm -hmm. the chance. And I think that would fit Superman perfectly. Mm -hmm. And given that he's also writing it, he can literally write it to his directing style and be like the perfect combination yeah, he's a great storyteller, man. The way the Suicide Squad is written, like especially that 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 climax, that mm-hmm. final battle climax, is so well written. Like, yeah, yeah. I also think this is funny because uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, back when 
Uh, he first was talks in with DC after getting the boot from Marvel. They were basically going, we want you to write the new Superman movie for us. Like that was one of the things that they pitched to him was writing <laughs> the new Superman. And now he's finally doing it. Yeah, they probably like let the ideas just stay in his mind. Um, my one thing is, it's, it's more constructive than being like totally critical. I don't, I feel like he shouldn't always respond on social media. Let the mystery linger. Mm-hmm. I know you got to respond to the angry fans that are like, uh, oh, I, I see Batman by Grant Morrison in the background. Are you going to be adapting that? And he goes, no, I, I just like the series. I'm just reading it. There's no kind of like 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 clue or hint I'm trying to drop here. I, mm-hmm. I just it's just morning reading. Like right. I feel like I, he, he probably feels like he has to do that. Like you ain't got to respond to everybody. Let the mystery linger. And when the bomb drops, let everybody just, you know, fan out. Right. Yeah. On one side, I agreed with you. But on the other side, if he doesn't control it, then expectations are going to fly so crazily that he, he's already going an uphill battle to let expectations start flying in every direction that becomes uncontrollable, Mm -hmm. though, that might become a hindrance later if people are like, well, what happened to this? I thought you were teasing that you were doing this. And he goes, no, I wasn't. I was reading that. I took a picture of my coffee table and the book happened to be on there. I was reading it. That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Right. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It's just, um, yeah, yeah. But some people you just can't control. There'll, there'll be mm-hmm. that one person going, yeah, he says that, but we know he's trying to adapt it. Like, yeah. like, like come on. Uh, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But let me tell you something, man. Uh, I just binged the new series from a co-creator, Donald Glover, called Swarm on okay. uh, uh, Amazon Prime, bro. Man, when I tell you, listen, I know this is up your alley. You love Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But... uh terrific psychological horror thriller man um <laughs> I, I i would i would highly suggest it man it, it's kind of a criticism of um these 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 overly obsessed dedicated fan bases specifically a satirizing uh beyonce's beehive it, okay. it's, it's satirizing that fan base but looking at it from more of a ter- terrifying perspective a disturbing perspective dude dominique Fat- fishback in the lead role she crushes it I mean, she crosses the lead role, man. If she don't get nominated for a Golden Globe and Emmy, you know what? Bump that. None of that stuff matters. I hope she gets the accolades and the uh, 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 reward. I don't want to say flowers, but I hope she gets the accolades and reception she deserves for this movie because it's it's so terrific. She's so terrific in this movie. Um, And I'm sorry, it's not even a movie. It's a show. It's a series. Yeah, I I, I would... uh, I would say watch it, man. I think you would like it. Is the full thing streaming on Amazon Prime right now? or? Yep, they dropped the whole seven episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would highly suggest it. I think you would like it. What I wanted to say to you was Oscars. So we got the final results in. Yeah, and uh, I remember you texted me, my desk and my uh, bookshelf are safe. <laughs> yeah, man. Everything, everyone all at once swept. I mean, it swept. Yeah, and justifiably so. It basically was an out-of-nowhere movie that, you know, took over for Best Actress. It took over for Best, uh, what was it? He didn't get Best Main, it was um, Secondary Actor is what it took over. Best Supporting Act. Supporting. Yeah, Best Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, um best picture best director yeah mm. it's sweat man it, it it was it was the parasite of this year kind of yeah uh well yeah it got more awards than parasite i think but yeah well this one also was a little bit easier for people to watch than parasite due to the fact that it wasn't a foreign film mm. there you go there you go that's you that's know. true too it, it, yeah but listen i'm happy for him you know oh absolutely It deserves that best of the year ranking. Like we said before, it was one of those movies that I was sure that it was going to win. And I wasn't mad about that fact either. Yeah, it's one of those ones where you're like, you know, well done. Well done. Uh, Some people, you know, and I got to 
I wasn't ang- I wasn't angry about it. I was I felt sad that Angela Bassett didn't win for Best Supporting Actress. It's one of those ones where you're not mad that Jamie Lee won because Jamie Lee was great mm-hmm. in Everything Everywhere. Angela was also great in Wakanda Forever. You got to know it's also a long time coming. I guess for both of them. So you know, you uh, there there was talk online about you know Angela's reaction where she kind of like just kind of stays frozen and looks sad that she didn't win for a minute. It's kind of like a delayed reaction mm-hmm. uh, to Jamie winning. You know, you feel sad like, dang, I can tell Angela probably wanted that. You know, um, well everybody I'm on the list bit, wants it. Everybody on the list wants it, but it, it's different when it's like you know. You've had such a career in Hollywood with so many great roles that haven't been not noticed since, you know, her big role as Tina Turner. And then you get this other big role that gets noticed. And it's like you, you're getting groomed and groomed and groomed because, mm-hmm. you know, let's be honest. People campaign for these awards. You know what I mean? There are campaigns that happen behind the scenes besides for your consideration stuff. And, you know, you get groomed and groomed and groomed so much. And then to the point where you're like, all right, nope, sorry, we're giving it to this person. Like, nope, sorry, Leo, we're giving it to Matthew. You know, I can understand kind of like a, damn, really? You know? Yeah. I, I, like, yeah. Like, I'm I'm not I'm not in their place. I'm not in the actor's place because I really think that statue doesn't matter. If you got the glory of the fans, it doesn't matter. But I understand when you've, you kind of get groomed and groomed. You, you kind of think you're going to win something and then kind of a psych, you know, like, uh, I can understand that. Um. Another thing I want to say too, the '90s kid in me was like, "Oh my God, that uh, Brandon Fraser one!" Oh yeah, I was smiling ear to ear with that. Yeah, I love the uh, picture of uh, you know Brandon Fraser kind of with his Emmy that's kind of floating around there, and then his picture that he has with all the other like award winners and everything like that. And it's like he went from being literally blacklisted by Hollywood to getting an Emmy. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's a great comeback story. And uh, again, people put him in the same light as Keanu Reeves, like such a nice guy, mm-hmm. such a nice guy to his fans. Uh, he's a humble dude that just happens to be famous. Right. So, yeah, you know, could, couldn't have gone to a better guy. You know, I wouldn't have been mad if Austin won, really wouldn't have been mad if Colin Farrell won. Uh, they were all great, to be honest. Yeah, but for Brendan Fraser's kind of, you know, comeback story and everything like that. Him winning is probably the most powerful out of all of them as getting that victory. And nobody got smacked. And nobody got smacked. I love how uh, Jimmy Fallon even had a thing going. Just by the way, if anybody's trying to rush the stage today, you got to go through Apollo Creed. You know, and he started just listing off all the actors that were like in the front row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, not Fallon. Oh, Kimmel. Okay. I yep. make that mistake. I make that mistake sometimes. Too. One of the tonight Jimmy's <laughs> that was there. One of those one of those guys. One of those guys. You know. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I got a little worried there. I really thought Top Gun was going to win. I was like, oh, they, they really going to get a best pick to Top Gun? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, because I, I really was worried. But I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad it got the recognition because it was a mm-hmm. really good movie. But if it won, I probably would have I really would have sided eyed that that decision right yeah but uh overall i'm not mad with the results it got some pretty solid results up there of uh people who won yeah this is a year where i'm not upset with any of the results there's some where it's like i think this person deserved it more but i'm not upset with who actually won Mm. yeah totally totally all right y'all we'll catch you on the next one uh like share and subscribe always love movies. Uh, Don't forget to never stop watching movies and uh, take care.